0: Uh, remember back in the Facebook days of when you would do that doppelganger, um, like face scanner app thing. So everyone's Uh doing the museum portrait one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And everyone a couple years ago was the doppelganger. So I did that, and guess who I got? Who'd you get? Selma Blair. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny so i've always had a a, an affinity for her so i'm very excited that we got chose to do this you guys could look like siblings maybe totally
1: oh she's great anyway what's that movie she's in with cameron diaz from way long ago the sweetest thing
0: right sweetest thing yeah yep oh yeah uh, i always remember her from that
1: classic but clearly i don't remember all that well
0: (laughs) yeah christina something no yeah i forget Mm, yeah Cruel intentions. I
1: cool <laughs> Oh yeah, I pulled an IMDb up for this because there was something I wanted to look
0: up. Oh good. But uh, oh, I wanted to look up all the character names. So, oh yeah, I uh, Google Doc with some of that too.
1: Yeah, Nick Cage was Brent. Selma was Kendall. The daughter was Carly. And Josh the was the was son. Josh. Yeah. Cool. Okay.
0: And the boyfriend was Damon. Oh, what? It was Damon? Oh, why did
1: I think his name yeah. was Keith? I wrote that down somewhere. Damon. Oh no. Okay. I don't know where I got
0: Keith from. What the fuck? Okay. (laughs) Good thing I didn't
1: call
0: (laughs) Keith. Okay, well, I'm ready. Oh, and
1: the director. Brian. Brian Taylor. Brian Taylor. Okay, ahem. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, the unofficial podcast about the FX It Show American Horror Story, normally. Sometimes. My name is Tyler Moss, (laughs) here with my co-host, Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? How's it going, everybody? Hope you've had a nice uh, couple of months uh, off from American Horror Story. Um, Obviously a bummer that the season ended as early as it did, and now we're just kind of in the um, limbo in between seasons, but to fill that space... We decided we wanted to do some bonus episodes this year, as we kind of hinted, I think, in the season finale of um, last year's pod. So, this is the first of those. Uh, it might be a little bit rough in terms of structure, because we're just kind of going to go for it. But hey, we wanted to dis- i mean use this as a venue to talk about fun, hopefully fun, horror movies that have a little bit of buzz right now. So, we are doing our first of
0: those. What movie are we doing today, Chris? Mom and Dad, the new dark comedy uh, starring Nick Cage and my doppelganger, Salma Blair, written and directed by <laughs> Brian Taylor.
1: That's right, Mom and Dad. You might have seen uh, clips of it here and there. You might have heard um, a early review of it, which is kind of what drew me to it, which called it um, Home Alone on Crack, I think. On which LSD? or was it lsd acid it was yes okay that might have been acid might have been it um (laughs) but as as you could see that was a somewhat compelling premise to get us uh interested but before we dive into home um sorry mom and dad i was about to say home alone um get some quick business out of the way even though it is the off season as always you can check us out on our facebook page facebook.com slash this american horror story and you can email us um in the off season as well at this american horror story at gmail and you know if there's a horror movie that you are really excited for that's coming out maybe shoot us what you um, shoot us the name of it or a preview or something and we'll check it out and who knows maybe we'll we'll come back to it cuz this will be maybe a fun thing we do somewhat regularly um, but there was one thing I did want to talk about before we talk about this specific movie and that is american horror story related Chris. Yep. And that is the theme, or a very vague idea of the theme, has been released for next season. Right. Uh, that theme, as far as we know, is just the future. The future. That, is, that has been the um, phrase employed by Brian Murphy. And uh, we have a lot to think about in terms of what this means in the world of American Horror Story. Obviously, this has become. Um, looking into the future has kind of become in vogue. Um, this, not, I mean, there's different versions, obviously. You have your dystopias and all that kind of stuff, but I'm thinking of it more, and I think you are too, in terms of specifically the other Netflix show, uh, Black Mirror, that looks specifically at kind of the way technology affects our modern life in kind of this near-future sci-fi futuristic way. Um, so it's inevitable, I think, to wonder you know, how American Horror Story is going to handle that topic. I mean, personally, I just want to make sure it's not some kind of knockoff of Black Mirror.
0: What are your thoughts on it? Absolutely. Uh, Black Mirror is really good at what it does. And I think it's ambitious and a great idea for American Horror Story to kind of travel in that vein. Um, in the, you know, whether they go with the technology or something dystopian or whatever it might be, it's an it's a ambitious thing to do. But if they try to do it in um, you know, a similar way that Black Mirror has done it, I just really worry that it's going to look like a cheap knockoff or not be as successful because Black Mirror is, I mean, even their like not as great episodes still have a compelling narrative or driven enough for uh, someone to engage for an hour and 20 minutes or an hour, or hour and a half, whatever it might be
1: absolutely and the thing about black mirror too is it's even if there are big stars that make an appearance in it it never seems to really be about those stars right they're very much you know they might be not a cameo but their role might be diminished in you know you know it for the greater good of the story basically whereas i do feel like you know when we have so many stars packed into american horror story there's a lot of time and, and kind of service paid toward those stars getting their shining moments. So if it, it, I mean, it definitely would feel like a cheap knockoff if that's the direction they decide to go. So that will be the challenge, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think of, you know, if we look at some seasons as a whole of American horror story, they maybe wouldn't fit in the futuristic theme of technology and black mirror. But if you could take a whole season and shrink it down to an hour and a half episode, I think we'd have a really tight package of a nice show. so if they take to, if, if they take the idea of being much more succinct with their stories and not filling it with a, too much um, what's, what we know is like you know American horse stories, spaghetti on the wall, throw everything on the wall, see sees what, see what sticks, um, it could be a strong season. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: and we've said lately, at least the past couple seasons, the writing has seemed tighter, so maybe mm-hmm. that's a good sign. Um, I think right now all we have out there is like this little nibble for us to debate and talk about before we get more information. So,
0: so my, my last thing about it is I, I fear that American Horror Story is also kind of being left out at sea right now since Ryan Murphy has so many other projects he's working on that, you know, your, your steady and stable and true uh, show, you kind of leave it alone because it's writing just fine um, and it doesn't get the attention that, you know, newer shows will get. That being said, maybe it might be a blessing if he does leave it on its own and let another showrunner—or not, maybe not a showrunner—but let another person kind of take more of the reins on it to uh, drive it in a different, more ex- exciting or, or um, interesting direction.
1: Totally, and you know, in past seasons lately, we've seen some of our uh, characters and th- like um, our actors having more of a role in terms of directing and doing different stuff like that. So maybe some of the like long-term um, actors and well play a more significant role in that way as well I'm um, kind of shaping the, what the future of that show looks like so hey it's a lot to look forward to which is awesome uh before we dig into mom and dad
0: um what are you drinking this evening Gotta i go. have an angry orchard stone dry hard cider it's uh, oh, a out here but you know this is what i had in the fridge so <laughs> hey you work with what you get what, what do you got
1: i'm drinking uh about two fingers of four roses so nice a little, a little bourbon for a cold night i've got we've got snow on the ground outside right now so oh, de- dead of winter need a little bit of warmth in the belly now let's talk about mom and dad what i want to say to begin with is that brian taylor the director is best known for uh the crank movies mm-hmm. crank one and crank two the jason statham franchise i think that franchise might have ended it Crank 2. I someone I'm sure there's some huge fan of Crank out there who will be like, "No, there's Crank 7." But yeah, exactly. as far as I know, there's only 2 Cranks. And um Ghost Rider. I think he directed the Ghost Rider that had Nick Cage in it the first place, so we know where that connection came from.
0: I think he did the second Ghost Rider and not the first one if I, I thought. Oh, did he? Yeah. Maybe I misread it. But he, he also did Ghost <laughs> He also did the mo- movie, excuse me, um, Gamer with um, Gerard Butler mm-hmm. and um, And also the movie Pathology, which I looked him up. I saw that movie a long time ago. It has Milo um, Ventimiglia. I don't know how to say his name, Mm -hmm. uh, who is in Pathology and in Gamer. Um, And those films are all kind of like I saw. I saw someone write about who Brian Taylor was when I was doing my research, and it was like just like like Mountain Dew uh, commercial movies, like just crazy, like on speed and or crank. Yeah, a lot of energy, which. Yeah, which is
1: definitely the impression I got from this movie. Um, If people are looking, well, yeah, we'll say where you can go watch this movie at the end. uh, So that way it's out there, obviously. Um, But this movie is very much an adrenaline rush in a lot of ways. And I feel like it really picks up momentum. Like starting at the beginning, it's not slow. But then it like really gets at this like frenetic pace at the end, which is, is frankly very entertaining. I wrote down. I kind of made a list, and I think I eventually lost track at one point. But I was writing down ways in which uh, people were killed. I uh, was too. Kids were killed. <laughs> what did you get? Okay, here's my list. Meat mallet, car keys, hot tub drowning, trash bag suffocation, baseball bat, oven gas, um, which I guess – I don't know that that actually – that didn't finish him off. That was just a method. And then scalp scalpel um, – well, but the baby didn't actually die, but that was how she tried to kill the baby. Right. Uh, what did you? Yeah. What, what did I, I think miss?
0: I, I had every single one of those, with the exception of, um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to tell in that one sequence where all the kids were running away on the football field. Yeah, he was dying in yeah, That was a massacre. Uh huh. But the the you know the um, I think you said it, but like the you know like the first down um, flag for football, like some yeah. guy was that was going after that with his kid there's the baseball bat with all the blood on it did you see that we didn't see that death happen but i'm assuming someone was dead
1: yeah yeah i think with the the blood on the baseball bat well that was the implication um but you know what was the music played a really interesting part in this movie and i think that takes me to the very beginning mm-hmm. when we look at the opening credits right. which were kind of like from 70s. i felt like they were from like a 70s movie yeah exactly very i think the song was yesterday when i was young
0: Yep, Dusty Springfield. Um, yeah, it was kind of like the meet the family uh, <laughs> sequence after we initially see the one woman park her car on the train tracks and then get out, and then we have, like, the introduction to all our family members with a very, I was thinking, very Tarantino-inspired also um, vibe right. yeah. with the Dusty Yeah, there was a bit of that, and, yeah,
1: with the music and stuff too.
0: And, yeah, and then uh, lots of interesting angles, but basically kind of a on-acid version of the beginning of the, remember the TV show Weeds? Uh-huh. Like little boxes on the hillside. You're, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. We're in suburbia.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that there was anything to that kind of 70s feel? Obviously, the song makes sense because what we were talking about here was kind of the loss of youth
0: was clearly like a big part of it. You know, I, I, I now having seen the full movie, I don't think there was anything really uh, that I can think of that why the significance of doing a style stylized that way because the rest of the movie didn't really have any of that effect or affectation um it was fun it got me excited about the rest of it but i don't know you know is it something about that era with dusty springfield that maybe makes you think something about this the context of this universe we're about to get into
1: the closest thing I could think of is that the generation of parents that we're focusing on primarily came up in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, so maybe that was the reference. There was That's like a good that point was their that. youth was the seventies. So that was the closest I could come to, but I couldn't think of anything more direct than that. Right. Um, now let's talk a little bit about Selma Blair and Nicholas Cage, uh, just as actors. I mean. Right. First, I'm going to give you my two cents on Nicolas Cage, which is he's is fantastic. He is one of those actors that you can watch him in a, a movie that has the worst writing and terrible plot, and he will make it entertaining because he goes full method no matter what the movie is. I feel like that is a big part. Of, I mean, this movie was entertaining for a lot of reasons. There was plot devices that were entertaining. But also, his ridiculous commitment really helped make it enjoyable. Um <laughs> Also, Selma Blair, I thought, did a pretty terrific job, too. I We were talking before we started recording. I remember her specifically from, like, her great character in The Sweetest Thing, but has always been a lot of fun as well. What are your thoughts on them?
0: I agree. I, Nick Cage is fantastic. He's just gung-ho and all in, and when he loses his mind and starts to go apeshit, it's just a pleasure and a delight to watch. He's so fun and crazy. Um and I haven't seen him in a role like that in a while, so so it's gonna it's really great. Um yeah, he was really good, especially even in, even in the beginning when he's like playing the dopey dad uh in the suburban going to his job. He still like has that little bit of unhinged He's uh, got that edge to him. In his eye. Yeah. And then when yeah, it really does glint. hit, it's like there he is. Even when he's doing the Hokey Pokey song, like bashing in the the pool table, it's like uh, I mean that was in the <laughs> that was in the trailer too, and I couldn't wait to see that. He's great; I love him. Um, and then Selma Blair, I thought w- she was really good. She she was really good in this. She's fun, and she has that type of character w- in most of her roles where it's kind of like a uh, like she's annoyed or just not into everything going around in her world. Like, uh, um, she was in Legally Blonde too. She's she's the yeah, mm. kind of, you know uppity east coast uh student there um but she she even in that character like that as she has as a mom here she's just not buying into everything like the mom's doing the weird yoga workout dance booty popping thing um and then the way she unhinges too is just like she commits to it it was it was great they were they're great even though i feel like there's quite an age difference between the two
1: there is but that seems to be the hollywood case quite often as you get that older well-known actor who gets paired
0: with a much younger woman and it's like you're supposed to just kind of ignore that part <laughs> it's the king of queens issue i feel like the dopey
1: even though even though though it we, it was supposed to be our impression it was supposed to be selma blair who was when he's doing donuts in the um
0: firebird and is topless on top of him that was supposed to be kendall right i was gonna ask you that i i thought that's a story he told uh his son in that one flashback but i didn't think that was her
1: i tried mm, to look at okay, her face so maybe, but I did. Maybe remember. that was some other girl. Well, I don't think that it was her as an actress. I didn't know. Oh no, was definitely to not. her as a character. <laughs> yeah, are, yeah. yeah, <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, did you ever see The Wicker Man, the the remake yes, of The Wicker Man? By the Nicolas the Cage? remake.
0: I did. Yes, yeah. A long time. That ago. is
1: a that is a perfect example of one of those movies that is just like it was so terribly written, but Nicolas Cage was so ridiculous that it made it, it entertaining. I fell into a bit of a rabbit hole on YouTube after watching this movie, watching Nicolas Cage freakout clips from different movies. There are some wonderful montages that I recommend everybody go check out. It's a lot of fun. You get, you'll get lost for a while.
0: There's a, no, I mean uh, That's a big reason why Andy Samberg did that impersonation on SNL for so many years of Nick Cage. Right.
1: <laughs> that was quite hilarious. You should go watch those, too, if you hadn't seen the Nick Cage impressions. Why am um, I not in this movie? Um, talking w- about w- the. Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was gonna say like the whole opening sequence with the family. Now that we've kind of covered, and the kids were fine; they were they did their job. Um, but like the beginning, when they're all getting ready to go to work and school and stuff like that, for me it was like like Gilmore Girls style um, dialogue, where just boom, 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 it was boom snappy. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I couldn't really keep up with too much, and it wasn't the greatest dialogue <laughs> um but uh it was lots of table setting for what was going to happen in this very short film um like yeah, hour and 20 minutes you <laughs> right. can knock it out quick we get the dynamic between each of the parents the kids you know a snotty teenage daughter son who's young and i don't know why he didn't go to school but he you know playing with his toys his craps everywhere dad's annoyed not wanting to go to work thinking about you know the topless woman Good old to days. yeah and what's her face is uh Kendall's going to yoga they just I don't know we we get the quick you know snapshot of an everyday life it seems very familiar to everyone but we also get a little table setting of things to come which is like the grandparents are coming so that's already in our mind we know that's going to happen and we're curious about what that means um and we have the housekeeper with the with her daughter in the background uh just kind of working on breakfast or something like that so boom that's in my mind was like all right what's going to happen here since we all know the premise and then we also hear about Um, Kendall's sister who is pregnant and might pop at any moment. Like, all right, we're going to have to see what happens with that one, too. So real quickly in the beginning, we get the table setting for all the things that will unfold. Totally.
1: And I think we even set the tone. Like, there was a bit of a mood set, too. When they're talking on the news about the um, mom who left the van on the train tracks, Mm -hmm. and then uh, the kid and Nicolas Cage kind of joke about it by, you know, running over a Lego with a monster truck and then squirting ketchup all over for the blood, just like... I felt I felt like they had a good like setting of this was going to be a dark comedy where we're not yep. going to be like really um, sentimental about kids dying. If you're a person who hates movies about kids dying, this is probably not the movie for you. Right. Let's say that much.
0: Um, I also, also you enjoyed should avoid how The Hunger Games, and you should avoid Battle Royale. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think we could probably go on. Um, the I enjoyed that whenever the kids were shitty or like something happened, there was like that moment where like the high pitch went off mm-hmm. and like, I think Nicholas, what is Would Nicholas Cage step on a truck or something like that? And he like had mm-hmm. that moment where he like looks up and then it's like, oh, he's going to lose it. Tone and
0: and I was curious about that. What's the trigger going to be? You know, we see the static for the first woman, but you, you know, I'm sure you were thinking this too, or what were you thinking? Like, what's the thing that's going to set these people off?
1: Well, we get a little bit of hint of that in the very opening scene where there's kind of like this this flickering static camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, it wasn't clear right away whether that was the case. Later on, they talk about like neurotoxins in the air and stuff, so you're not really sure. But I think it becomes pretty evident as we keep watching that it's obviously triggered by the static on the TV for whatever reason. Um, the let's see the two things I wanted to also mention. Obviously, they have the housekeeper in the house. Now, this is one of those situations in which this didn't really add up in terms of uh, the rest of the story. Like, you know, Nicolas Cage talks about having left his really high-paying job for like a, something he makes I don't a know what he says now. Yeah, like not having very much money, and we know Kendall's trying to go back to work and isn't able to, so their family's struggling for money, yet somehow they have this housekeeper who stays at home all day and watches their mm-hmm. kid instead of going to school. So, a little bit of a something you kind of just shrug off with, with some disbelief there. Um, and then the part where uh, Josh, the boy, finds the dead animal outside and puts it in the firebird for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it felt like a little bit of a gremlin's homage to me did you get that
0: at all i i Um, you know i didn't because i was trying to figure out why he was doing that
1: yeah i i didn't really understand why he was doing that i thought maybe he had a fascination with dead things it wasn't quite clear to me either but he put Uh, it in the car and
0: then he like fed it like fruit loops or
1: something yeah and it must have died
0: right like whatever it was Uh didn't survive it, there there's a few flashback scenes that I just it was very confused of. So yeah, I, I don't know. But why, what do you think what was going on with meaning with the gremlins too? Oh, I I just was looking for like kind of, you know, nods of the
1: tips of the hat to other horror movies. And this seemed right. like where you kind of have the kid who has like the secret pattern. I thought that was maybe going to, I wrote that down as something I thought maybe was going to, have more significance than it ended up doing, but really it was just another demonstration of how the kids are shitty and piss off the parents when Nicolas Cage, who covets this firebird, has this dead animal smell in the back. Um, I felt like the thesis kind of of this movie took place in the classroom when the teacher gives the planned obsolescence lecture. Yeah, tell us about that. I mean, he's talking about the idea that electronics – these days like iphones or computers or whatever not being built to last how you know something is given a certain span of time before um it's meant to break down so that way it's replaced by you know you have to go buy something to replace it and then he starts saying how that same kind of system can take place in nature and it kind of gets you thinking about the you know older generations getting replaced by the younger generations and that sort of thing which is obviously the premise for what happens going forward is that the same kind of uh idea you got from it?
0: That's what I was thinking uh, right offhand, too. Yeah. Like, the newer the the new generation replaces the old generation. The old generation never wanted to get old, but that's just the system that we're in. Right. And then, I mean,
1: at that point, you're kind of starting to see... There was no... It was interesting that there was kind of no dramatic... Build-up? Yeah. It was like we had that opening scene with the mom in the van, which was, like, the first time this happened. And then all of a sudden, you have... You know, parents swarming at the school to yeah. run in and kill their kids. I do think what, one of the things that made this interesting is that the premise that the parents only wanted to kill their own children was useful. <laughs> like, I, I thought that was kind of made it a, a little bit of a unique take versus like, you like had had otherwise to find it would have
0: kid in the crowd,
1: right? Well, and, and just in general because it made it feel less like your traditional zombie movie and more
0: like you know it was a
1: Target. more specific kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly,
0: I agree. And I, I, um, the, go ahead. The tension, I thought, was great when they were getting the calls for kids to go to the office. Like one went and another one went. That was kind of nice. And they could. I wish they had kind of stuck with something like that instead of all of a sudden they go outside and there's a crowd of parents waiting. Like,
1: and it's like, oh, Michaela's mom's getting yeah. pinned
0: down by the police. Or no, her name know. was McKinley, and that is such um, a name right now. <laughs> oh, a gen- generation Z name. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's probably some McKinley's who listen to this podcast. Um, Your mom's at the the door. (laughs) Yeah, jeez, McKinley. Don't open it. The the swarming at the school kind of reminded me of World War Z. Did you watch that book or read the movie?
0: I I watched the movie, um, yeah.
1: I mean, because it's a little bit of a Contagion movie. Or, you know, you think back to the, like, 28 Days Later movies and stuff where you have... Because they're not zombie. I mean, it's interesting because they're not zombies. They're coherent. And it must be like you had just... Clearly, you have this switch flip in their head. Um, and we learn more about it later when they're kind of talking about it on TV where the whatever, you know, um, kind of natural instinct in the brain for parents to protect their children somehow has gotten reversed. Right. And so it, it seems like Kendall is able to hold off longer and like almost like is, we'll get there later. But, yeah, I want to talk to you a more about that, too. The school.
0: The school. Did you ever see the faculty? This reminded me of the faculty. Yeah. John Stewart was in the faculty. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I think he was at the. Biology teacher in it. I can't. I think. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people in that movie. Like again, a lot of young people. Like Elijah Wood and Usher was in it. But like the whole scene at the school where you know some of the adults are acting weird and you know it it was I I got vibes of that and I thought the faculty was fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the homage there too. Um. I also like how we had the the bit of a Dr. Oz homage where he's talking about (laughs) the savaging how like pigs kill their young or.
0: You know, piglets, yeah. a mother.
1: Yeah, they, I wish that they would explained a little bit more about like the nature behind that because they're kind of you know throwing out different. Yeah, I'll tell ideas. you a little bit
0: as an agriculture reporter that I, what I know. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of what a lot of sows, which are the mom of pigs, they it's because they step on their kids accidentally. <laughs> uh, oh really? I'm, I haven't really heard a lot, if anything, about them like charging and attacking their own piglets. Generally. They just like roll over onto them because they have like a lot of them. That's like when you go to farms, they once they have the mama pigs, they put them in these things that protect the piglets from so they can the piglets can get to the nipples, but the but they won't get rolled onto. I mean, some inevitably still do, but. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what I knew about it. And I was like, I interesting. I mean, I do feel like I've heard in the past about things. I don't know if
1: it was like spiders, you know, spiders will sometimes eat their young or whatever, but I don't know if that is a urban legend then, or if that's a real thing. Um,
0: I Yeah. I mean, there are animals that when they feel threatened or afraid, they will like kill their youth. I know their offspring. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about
1: um, Nick Cage's kind of, a couple really great scenes we had before he goes nuts um f- first of all i thought it was obviously he's in this really depressed job and apparently all he does is work it, at work is like jerk off uh, i guess but yeah, i liked he how i did i did enjoy porn yeah but i did enjoy how he he put flipped down his uh family photo of the kids so that way they weren't watching him and <laughs> that's funny um but clearly you continue to get beat over the head with the idea that uh he is like really regretting all the things he didn't do, Um, which really comes to a head, I guess when he builds the pool table and we get that flashback a little bit later, but that's the one where he goes into the hokey pokey and it's like, he's coming unhinged a little bit before all this happens. Exactly.
0: Um, Which I thought was interesting and a, and a play path they could have gone more down because anyway, when they, I liked the sequence because it shows both of them just kind of breaking but breaking just in a regular mental break, um, not, you know, biologically switching their protection mechanism in their brain to murder. Um, but they're both, you know, like a lot of parents feel that their life is not what they thought it was going to be. And this was, um, you know, uh, embodied in that pool table for him.
1: And I think that that was like the entertaining, another kind of entertaining maybe this was not even intentional, but somewhat deeper layer to this movie a little bit is that although it was clear that it was something in the TV that was setting, you know, that trigger off to actually kill your child. It also seemed like it was tapping into a little bit. The foundation was like, yeah, like these underlying layers of all these people who like were already pissed at their shitty kids, you know, stealing money out of the wallet acting like brats and all this stuff who like, You know, really depressed with how their lives had turned down and like jealous to some degree or just pissed off at their kids for kind of being this new um, generation coming and taking everything. And so I I kind of I appreciated that um, that kind of subtle hint that maybe this wasn't all completely something that was, you know, a, a mental switch like you said
0: I wish they had tapped into it a little bit more to be honest like this was a great scene because you think that Kendall's just gonna like lay into him because that's the dynamic that they had earlier on but nah she sits right now next to him and she feels it exactly like he does and that's sympathetic yeah, and that can... makes them compelling and, that, like, and when they do flip you know it's not necessarily that you're like oh like they suck like you actually what parent mm-hmm. hasn't ever been at wit's end with their kid
1: yeah, and well, I think that they did a good job of making these kids seem really shitty too. Yeah, <laughs> just like the brat, like the way when uh, Kendall and Carly, is that right, mm. are mm-hmm. driving to school and she's just being such a brat such a about snot. everything. Yeah, she sold Like we see the flashback where she stole the money and then, yeah, she, she's the worst. So it's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think they said. I agree. I wish that they would have even taken that a step further. Um, now let's for a minute talk. Okay, so then they, like things really obviously go crazy when uh, Nick Cage first gets back to the house and uh, just fucking crushes. Damy Damon Damon, Damon? yeah.
0: Damon's Damon, skull. poor Man. guy. He's just a good guy. I mean he he just his father fortunately was drunk and killed himself accidentally. But ah uh, Damon was in this movie just to get the
1: shit beat out of him over and over know. again he got the head slam he got the bottle cut and aced the he PSATs. The... <laughs> and he aced the psat's all before this yeah <laughs> all before dinner got knocked off the stairs gets
0: a hang God, on the face that kid. i did read when um, i was looking at like stuff about this he went to northwestern oh really yeah. oh accurate, good for damon yeah i i'm glad that
1: he kept kind of coming back because I, f- I felt bad that maybe he was just a character in here that was like Gonna be expelled. Gonna um, like gonna be killed over and over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, or like w- come back to life to serve one function to like get them out of a tricky situation and then immediately die again. Right. Total character de- a, d- a device character. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what I was, it was going to be. Um. Now, obviously, Nick Cage comes back to the house, and I think that we see this latent anger come out in him immediately. Um. And you also, I mean, you'd seen it in some of the. I don't know. What did you think about the conversation on the TV with the guy? I mean, where they're talking to the guy about regretting anything that he's done. Do you remember this? Yeah.
0: Where, I wasn't really understanding or following why they were going that direction. What, I mean, what were you taking away from it?
1: I guess I, what I was taking away from it is that like, it's not like something was reversed once the kids were killed and they, like realized something horrible they did. They didn't feel remorse for it afterward. And it wasn't like, it was just
0: slipping what back. They were supposed to do. Right.
1: And like, they were like, well, that was kind of deserved and this is just the natural order of things now.
0: Right. That's what I was okay, kind of get, getting to. I just, yeah, like I, this is one of my issues I do have with the movie. I think we're hit over the head a little too much with some like actual dialogue or um, repetitiveness of literally laying out what's being done and what's being said. Like you're underestimating your audience. We're smart. We, we got it.
1: Oh, it's not subtle. There's No one can say this movie was subtle, I don't think. I think you make a great point there. Um, and then, in the meantime, while Nick Cage is going crazy back at home, uh, Kendall hasn't gone home yet. She was with the baby at the hospital and kind of sees all this take place when her sister Jeannie has the baby and then immediately tries to murder the baby, which is like, obviously... We knew that was going to happen. Make... I mean, they laid it out early on. Like, we were waiting for this scene. Oh, you're just cringing the whole time as it's going to like, when's she going to do it? When's she gonna I thought t- she was going to stab
0: its neck. Oh, yeah. Which is awful, I, mean, that's, I know, but...
1: Yeah, I think at least they didn't. At least they didn't kill the baby that we saw. So that was good. And then they threw in some weird character, like the boyfriend character that was like that was just never explained. He was just like a weird character who was like like got sick. Yeah,
0: and uh, I thought he would play like like, since he wasn't the father, he was gonna. I mean, he played a little. I don't know. He was just there to like throw up and like have a have a GoPro.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he'd just be kind of an awkward. There were no real
0: heroes guy. in this, and I was hoping that there might be one or two that kind of like. I mean, yeah. the boyfriend's kind of a hero. The boyfriend is the, yeah, but like, who like if anybody? You know, what about the people who didn't have kids? What are they doing?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. What about the people who didn't have kids, and I guess the lucky kids who were orphans. <laughs> this is the only
0: time you'd say that orphans were lucky. Oh, but right. I mean, well, the other thing is like, what about the kids who were adopted? Is it a biological yeah. thing, or is it, you know, great question. Yeah, maybe that's
1: the premise of a sequel somewhere. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but you do see a little bit as Kendall goes home. She seems like she's aware that as soon as she gets home, a switch is going to flip
0: like that some, you know, but, Cause but the she still goes says home. Stay away from your kids, especially when you're like stressing out.
1: Right. And it, I wonder if like, she just, I don't know, maybe it's not this complicated, but I wonder if she thinks in her head, like, this isn't going to happen to me, <laughs> you know, which is like, it,
0: it, I mean, most parents would think that they love their kids. We know that they do.
1: Yeah. I mean, think oh i'm i'm not gonna get manipulated i won't turn the tv on i don't i mean and then obviously the minute she walks in the door it seems like she's i I have a question
0: for you on this um so what's the moment where that where you where like where was nick cage's or um brent's trigger moment where he flipped and where when was kendall's uh trigger moment when she flipped Because I was trying to figure that out when I was... Because you you look at their eyes, and because they did a good job acting, you couldn't tell when they were just, like, having a mental breakdown, like, you know, the pool table, or when they actually were triggered into becoming... uh, What's the word for when you kill your children? Um, um, Is it filicide? I I can't remember. Yeah, it's one of those sides. I don't want to Google this, because this will look... What's... (laughs) (laughs) Don't look at my search engine history. I'm well. You don't have any kids to worry about. Lou, my dog, Um, look at this. Yeah, yeah. Philicide. aside. aside. is killing one son or daughter.
1: You know that's a great question, and I'm trying to think because I watched this last night, and I'm trying to remember what the glint like when they got Mm -hmm. that glint in their eye, and it didn't. I mean, it obviously with Kendall, it must have been when she got home and walked through the door. Where the were the kids already in the basement when she gets home?
0: Yes, because she's like, "Are you okay? Where are they?" Uh, They're in the basement,
1: r- right? But I mean, she—it must have been almost immediately as she walked in the door, then, because it doesn't even see. I mean, you kind of already get the feel by the time she goes and starts sweet talking them through the door that she's already been, she's already flipped. So it's like it's almost like a like a pheromone thing or something. As soon as you get in proximity, that's what makes the
0: right. So we hear the high pitch, I think, when she's in the car looking at her house and the radio saying, don't go near your children. I think we hear a high pitch then, which is sometimes not always the case. But And they maybe they've fought it off before, but maybe that was when she finally just... Clicked.
1: Well, and it's worth noting that it's not like Kendall ran home right. when she was at the hospital when the TV goes off and her sister freaks out. It's not like she's like, okay, now I need to go find my kids right. and you know do something to them. So I guess... That's the question with the parents that were at the school. Was were they just in proximity? Were they like waiting in you know the cars for the school day to end and then just all got out to swarm? Right. Um, like yeah, you clear. said, maybe we're putting too much logic into this. It's not clear. But <laughs> yeah, we probably that's, how, that's what we do. It's fun to discuss anyway. Um, okay, so we have the the basement scene. Obviously, goes on for a while. We Way see, too long. Them try to sawzall into the basement, and then <laughs> Josh had stole the midlife crisis pistol and shoots shoot Kendall in the arm. Um, this is when it started to feel a little bit like Home Alone, when like, they decide they're going to pull the oven out and rig the hose down there.
0: Loved it. It was, it was pretty it.
1: clever for their state of mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty pretty fucked up, but interesting.
0: Um, there was that now, sequence with the tape and the holes in the knife when um Carly's sitting at the top of the stairs and she pokes she's trying to she feels the duct tape or whatever and then you see um on the other side that was a nice like split screen type thing they did for a few few uh moments in there with um Kendall with the knife like about like to stab through uh Carly's finger pull her finger I yeah. yeah. that, that I liked that. there there's some tension there. Yeah.
1: There was one of the couple of those moments that like make you like cringe yep. or shiver a little bit. Um and, you know, I think what the other part I thought was interesting about this is like, you know, Kendall and Brent obviously have been at, like frustrated with each other. And they kind of bond it like at the end of the pool table thing, they kind of bond it. But it's almost as if you got the impression that like killing their kids together was bringing them closer together. Like when they're outside the door, like laughing like psychos, it's like, oh, you guys are like uh, this is this is uh, bringing you, you
0: know, giving your relationship new legs. The one thing one of the things I really liked is, you know. I'll say this at the end but you know I do think this movie is kind of a one trick pony movie but Mm -hmm. um, I loved that the parents and the grandparents all kept their personalities in a way so they still like were themselves they didn't just become like zombies that wanted to kill their Mm -hmm. kids they like talked to each other still which made it very fun and funny yeah
1: yeah I do I think that added the humor aspect for sure and was a part of it um Again, the 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 whole matches to the door was pretty clever for kids that didn't. I mean, total Kevin McAllister move. Yeah, you get some of that Home Alone flair there, um, and they're crawling through the vents and all that stuff. And you know, Keith kind of comes through the day. Ah, oh, when Keith got that hanger through the
0: face, that was one of those scenes. Damon. You're like, oh god, or, or Keith. What do I get the name Keith from? Damon. <laughs> Damon. Yes, that was, and I thought that was a nod to Halloween when Jamie Lee Curtis is stuck in the closet toward the end and michael myers is coming and she's hiding in the closet and has a hanger yeah oh god that was
1: that's definitely what that was and that was really good and then he just like pulls f- out gets whacked off beast. the stairs yeah love it oh uh, yeah um, the grandparents arriving was definitely like the fun twist that you said, you know, it was like the Chekhov's gun at the beginning of this yep. movie. It's like, oh, the parents are coming, but we forget about it. And then they're like, ding dong. And then they remind us that they're back there. And it's, of course, it's fun then to realize that the parents aren't there to save the kids. They're there to Love kill it. their own children, which a is great. like the whole new life. Yeah. What a great third act. Yeah. So that, I thought that was pretty clear. And like the scene is all so crazy in the car where like they're all, one's trying to kill the other and the grandpa's stabbing the cage in the leg over and over yeah. again. It's This is the part, this is, like, when you said, like, the movie kicked into the third gear here, it was when the parents arrived, it seemed to be, or the
0: grandparents arrived, was like that Uh, absolutely
1: frantic adrenaline
0: rush to the end. Absolutely, and they did a decent job of, you know, it was only Brent's parents, so they were only there to kill him, but they somehow, like, drummed up the narrative to make... Um, his mom fight. Uh, Kendall. Kendall. Which it was. was fun it seemed to, see to too. me that yeah, it seemed to me that maybe if you if
1: you tried to get in between and physically restrain they the will parent go through from you.
0: killing the child, then they would yeah, then they would exactly just, just like they, they did with you. Damon. Um, yeah, uh, I gotta say one of my favorite scenes is the grandson, the dad, and the grandpa all like I'm like oh is the grandpa wanna, gonna want to kill the grandson? But then all three of them just chasing each other out of the house. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, they that end up like... at the muscle car.
1: Yes. And with the feet hanging out and getting back through. The... Oh, no, especially when the grandma gets, like, flung over the hitter and she gets flung over the top in slow motion. So great. Was, it was all quite entertaining. Um, and, yep, the grandparents are get killed. And, of course, this movie ends abruptly. Um, this movie ends... In the basement, where we have like a Breaking Bad moment, where Keith and your where, where Kendall and Brent are tied or like zip tied to the um, metal pole and trying to like coerce the kids. That like, oh, they've uh, I love changed, you. you know.
0: Come see mommy. But
1: then you see then you see that glint in Nick's eye,
0: and he freaks out a little bit more. And yeah, like, he says. Oh, Sometimes we just want to. And then the cuts to black what do you think he was gonna say kill you kill oh it was it definitely had to be kill you right and then did also the like the actually it was probably pool fucking ball. kill you motherfuckers
1: yes probably and you see that pool ball rolling toward their hand, mm-hmm. hand at the very end that's almost like hinting at something else that's gonna happen well so here's the question for you what was the point of ending this so abruptly is it for a sequel or is it like is it just
0: you know was it a plot device? I, you're, I, that's a good question. I honestly... So, all my cards on the table, I just watched it. And I haven't actually been able to like thought process too much of like, where does this leave me? Uh, this is like my therapy right now with you, Tyler, trying to figure that out. I don't know. I think... I mean, when I think of cutoff endings, I think of The Sopranos, right? <laughs> so, I think of this is where the story ends for the viewer. Uh, where they yeah. go from here isn't is the next story um i don't know i i don't really i don't know i want to think it's a deeper thing but knowing how this film movie went for me i don't think it's that smart <laughs> and, and i'm not trying to knock it but it's just i mean I like know. you said it's, it's
1: it's kind of a one trick pony it's a premise driven movie obviously so yeah. like brian taylor or whatever he's like what if Parents had something happen to them. Yeah, it's a one they idea want to for kill their that. own kids. That's what it is. Yeah, and that was the basis of everything. Just like the crank movies are kind of that's as well. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I think you could think of it two ways here. You could think of it as in the this is the the cynic in me wants to say there's no way to really end this because you're in a world now where a bunch of parents have killed their kids, and so it's not like I mean what's going to happen? They flip back and the parents are like you know suddenly sympathetic again but then you have all these situations in which parents have slaughtered their children and stuff like what's that world going to be i guess they still could have had the reversal for whatever reason right um but uh that would also have been kind of cliche you know if they had just like came back and were sympathetic i like it was i don't know it it kind of the way it ended felt like it cued me in a little bit to like just like the lack of good answer to what had just happened, to everybody. Like I know. Here in this world, there's like, like there's not there's not a good uh, happy ending to that. That's just like something crazy happened, no. and we never get any insight into you know what the motivations were for this, who was behind the TV or anything like that. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it could it could be for sequel stuff, but there's also I mean there's almost something compelling about it not being you know answer because that wasn't really the point isn't why it was happening the point was that it was an entertaining and bizarre premise in the meantime i guess i don't know
0: this is like i mean to me it's like when i do some when i do like my radio stories sometimes i'm like oh, i don't know how to end it and i'll have like written like this ending and it's a little long or it doesn't work or and then my editor like i'll like do the first part of it they be like well what if we just end right there and just cut it and i'm like yeah it's a great idea let's just cut it and then, right. th- and then it might, and sometimes that works but sometimes it might end up like this movie where it's like wait what <laughs> well yeah I don't need it's complete like, resolution with the... like a yeah, little you'd... idea of what happens next or just foreshadow something or make me think about something
1: right you like fill in the blank yourself I don't know uh, here's the, my next question for you if this was a Home Alone type movie who is the Marv and who is the Harry between Kendall and
0: <laughs> Brent um, I think. Oh gosh, I'm thinking of different moments of when they both like acted the way they do. Marv definitely has to be Nick Cage.
1: Yeah, that's what I had. I had I had uh, uh, Selma Blair was my Joe Pesci. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And uh, Nick Cage was my Daniel Stern. <laughs> she's like,
0: it's an all saw.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's getting. She like. She, You got to think that she was probably the one to come up with the hose idea. You know, she seems like she's like the little oh. She was on it. She's smarter smarter. criminal. Yeah, you know, Nick Cage just wants to like beat things down. (laughs) Yeah, and she like tries to like sweet talk them into coming out of the basement at first and stuff. You know, so (laughs) right. Um, let's see. Now,
0: uh,
1: I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we give it our full review?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, again, one of the things that and I can say is in my review, but it that kind of detracts from the pace of the movie is all the flashbacks or cutaways that like like especially ones that happen in the third act. It's like, whoa, like you're actually hitting a good stride right here for a fun movie. We have like a whole right. couple minutes of the cutaway to talk about the car again and Nick Cage talking about how he misses, you know, like his youth you know the topless (laughs) girl and i don't know why you would tell your son this when he's that age and the cutaway when um kendall sees carly putting on makeup and like it's just it it breaks up the pacing too much and then it slows the momentum and then i'm i'm pulled out of it again it just didn't that wasn't very successful for me
1: i felt like the purpose of it was to make you realize like Oh, they had these sweet moments, and now they don't give a shit about them, and they're just killing their kids. Right. And they like, they had this all this backstory that you know, and here's more moments we didn't know about, but that doesn't matter anymore. And
0: at that point, and to like to make that. it more dramatic, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. I think that it, that could have either been cut or it could have been shoved into the second act instead of being put at the end here. Yeah, and I, I agree. Not, with
0: you. The the like by the by the time we did the flashback, talk about the car again, and he's like, "Don't you ever touch that car, or I'll kill you." I was like, I I got it. I I got that you had a thing for the car, like. 45 minutes ago you don't have to yeah. keep bringing me back to that
1: yeah way early on when you come out and you're envisioning doing right. your donuts and you look at your nissan or whatever and i kind of yeah. bummed about it's it. funny
0: these are some of the issues that we sometimes have with um american horror story also like 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 we got it you don't need to keep telling us that
1: <laughs> a little over the head yeah and i mean that tends to be in episodes like where that are a little bit more premise-driven and are like, there's like something specific fun that they're trying to do, but sometimes it gets a little bit out of it that way. And
0: it's one thing to like revisit some information for the viewer just so we remember something happened. That's one thing. And that's, that, that we need that. But this was like, you know, 80 minutes and we didn't need to be reintroduced to the certain ideas or motivations so frequently <laughs> and then breaking exactly. up the pacing. Anyway, I think that was all I really had though. A lot enough middle aged jokes, we got it. You want your life back. You you, you wish you were younger and you miss you you know, you wish who you were was different. Mm-hmm. Things ended up differently and yes you became a cliche. So,
1: all that said, how many hangers through the cheek? cheek?
0: <laughs> <laughs> how many nice. hangers through the cheek would you give us <laughs> this uh movie. Oh boy. Um You know, I've spent a little time right there at the end being negative, but it was very fun. And I actually, this is playing at the the independent uh, cinema uh, here in town, which I encourage if yours is, uh, if people have, our listeners, if they have one of those in town that's playing this movie, go uh, support your brick and mortar uh, little independent movie uh, cinema. But I think I would have enjoyed it more in a crowd, but watching it Mm, on my TV at home, I still liked it a lot. Um, it wasn't a home run. Did I waste my time? No. Did I laugh? Was Nick Cage amazing? Yes, yes. Loved it. Um, so I would give it out of five. Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Five. I'm mm-hmm. going to go 3.75. <laughs> Hangers. Solid, the solid. Through the cheek.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's, so I'm going to go on the. S- yeah, you hit a lot of the same things that I was thinking. I will say that there's a few things specifically that I think are really going for it. How quick, like how short the movie is, Love I think, it. Yep. really helps that it's a premise-driven movie. Because even though it is beaten over your head, it still hap- all of it happens so quickly and it's kind of okay. Um, there's so many ridiculous moments that like, just make it pretty consistently entertaining. Despite the parts where it is slowed down a little bit by the flashbacks and even the flashbacks gonna have like funny little moments in them um but especially that final third when the grandparents arrive and like shit just absolutely is going crazy is I mean Nick Cage is like at his wackiest is just pure entertainment it's popcorn but in the best way I agree um so no I enjoyed it I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it four I'm gonna give it four I'm glad you're doing that because I felt guilty not giving it four but yeah
0: yeah no it was
1: it was it was a like man if if you only watched it for the ridiculous
0: Nick Cage moments that alone would be worth it but there's more to it even so I I kind of wish someone for Black Mirror had done this and it just had some technology because I feel like it would have been just a little bit better I, I, that's kind of funny because we were just yeah. talking about at the beginning yeah um, the other thing is you know, talking about this movie and having it you know there's one great idea and they just kind of burn it out until they finally get to the grandparents which is still the same idea it just makes it more fun um, the movie and I talked about this for in our podcast this American Horror Story um The movie *Don't Breathe*, which is like, oh, I have an idea. What if these people break into a house of a guy that's blind, but he has the house memorized, and he tries to kill them all? That's that's the premise for *Don't Breathe*. But that movie actually like escalates like all of a sudden something crazier happens, something bigger happens. They do a good job of ramping up the tension, and the idea, and growing it to make it like a whole like other movie toward the end. It's great. This could learn a little bit from that, I would say.
1: For sure, for sure. I mean, it's not on, like, some crazy, intellect, like, you're not going to look at this and be like, oh, this director is is pure genius, but he made it fun. But it was fun, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, so that's, uh, I think that's. comes out to seven and three quarters, which right. is pretty solid. I think that's on Rotten Tomatoes has had a 75%, so oh, we're, we're right pretty there. close cool. to what they had. We should yeah. be,
0: like, actual critics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, seriously, um, but yeah, so that's where we're at. Um, thank you guys for listening to our first bonus episode. It was fun. I think we'll we'll try to do more of these. And please uh, share your recommendations with us at Facebook.com/slash This American Horror Story and uh, at This American Horror Story at Gmail. Uh, Chris, where can people uh, keep on following you in this lovely frigid offseason? Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at uh, Chris Husted Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler? You can check me out on uh, Twitter as well, at TJMoss11. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we, I'm sure we'll be back soon. Happy hauntings.